welcome back to Not So Molly Mormon podcast. Hello, you guys. Welcome back. And sorry we were MIA last week, as you saw or hopefully saw on our Instagram story. I was sick with the flu slash possibly coronavirus. Don't really know. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I yeah. really hope not. But. When Sarah had, she messaged me and she sent me like a voice memo talking about rescheduling for recording and she sounded so sick and I didn't want to say anything to her about I was like, oh my God, she has the coronavirus. I didn't say it though, because I didn't want to make her paranoid. But just now, right before we started recording, I was like, I thought you had coronavirus and I was kind of scared. And she was like, oh my God, me too. (laughs) It's so true though. I was like legit freaking out and was like, I don't know what to do. And then it doesn't help that my boyfriend is a hypochondriac. So he just like amplifies everything. And he's just like, oh my god, maybe you do have it, and oh, so yeah, I went to the doctor, and they didn't say anything about me having coronavirus, so let's just hope I have the flu, but no, I I feel a lot better, so I just have the little, a little raspy voice for you guys to listen to today. (laughs) You should have gotten a priesthood blessing, it would have made you better immediately, (laughs) because we know that's how it works. I totally forgot about those. Like, uh, I can't even. Katie, that's so true. That's like a thing I guess like my brain has blocked out. And like, it's just so, it's silly and superstitious. Like, oh, I'm sick. Let me have a man put his hands on my head and I'll get better. Whereas like if someone else who had the same illness wasn't going to get better in the same amount of time. Like, (laughs) oh my God. It's so true. Like for those listening who didn't grow up in the Mormon church, we've talked about this a bit before, but like priesthood blessings are a thing, especially when you're sick. It's like you're supposed to ask for a priesthood blessing and like you'll be cured if it's God's will. So it's always like, it's not like you're guaranteed to be cured. It's always like, well, if someone isn't cured or if like an elderly person just like dies in the hospital then it's like well it's god's will and and that's also part of the priesthood blessing in my head it's like why even give the blessing if god's will is just gonna happen anyway exactly (laughs) and like there's never been a miraculous priesthood blessing where i got one and i was like instantly cured it was like i always got them when I had, like, I don't know, a cold or a flu or whatever, and modern medicine cured it slash nature. Like, you know. The ones where people claim that they got a priesthood blessing and they got immediately healed or they felt whatever (laughs) crazy celestial Jesus force heal them. (laughs) It's like, to me, it's like, okay, I'm glad that you got healed. That's good. I'm not saying I want you to be sick, but also... That sounds extremely privileged and like arrogant to say that you were the chosen one that got healed versus, you know, someone who was sick and then didn't get well and died. Exactly. Uh, and now it also people. makes me like cringe thinking about like, like in the South and I'm sure everywhere else where like if you have a member who's sick and then like the Mormons are like, 
but can we give them a blessing? And even <laughs> though they're not members, it's like they feel awkward and are either like too sick to really understand. So they're like, okay, sure. But like I know my grandma got blessings a few times and she's not like she wasn't Mormon. And, and then was like <laughs> if they get better, then the Mormons take credit for their wellness. For sure. <laughs> they use that as missionary work. Then yeah. they're just like, oh, you were healed. See, told you. Don't you want to come to church now? You're welcome. This exactly. is special Joseph Smith, J-Dog, blessing, power, <laughs> priesthood, makeup, make-believe, baloney. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, um, no, that's not <laughs> what happens. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad that you're better. Um, and I'm glad that we're back because I missed recording we are back and hopefully we have elba on again soon Mm -hmm. because everyone was loving her episode and we got a lot of cool feedback from that and i mean who just doesn't love elba she's adorable and great Mm -hmm. so um yeah that was a cool episode to have and actually um my boyfriend's family was in town this weekend and they had other like two um of their friends like couple friends and one of them was this guy who grew up, like, his he grew up in England, but his parents are, like, Irish descent, so they, um, like, he grew up Catholic, or his dad was, like, grew up very Catholic, and so we were talking about that episode, and just going into, like, the comparisons again, and it was just so fascinating to me, because you just forget how many similarities there yeah. are, but also differences, but it's just still, it's it's a way to not be dismissive to others who have gone through religious trauma as well. Um, right. Which is just yeah. amazing, like, to think that we can all form this community, no matter if you're ex-Mormon or not, but just anyone who's gone through a religious trauma, you know, and has survived and made yeah. their lives so much better after leaving. <laughs> For real. The freedom is so nice. Oh, my God, isn't it? Well, um, I don't have any other opening things I want to talk about. <laughs> No more opening announcements? No more opening announcements for me. <laughs> um, I don't think I have any other than the website will be live soon with our merchandise. We're just working to get the logo um, done and to get some of this cool, these cool um, ideas that you guys sent us. Just working on that, too. So hopefully by the end of this month, we have it and... We got like we can all rock the not so Molly Mormon hashtag NSMM merchandise. That would be, be amazing. So cool. I'm excited. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. I don't have all right. Problem. So this week's topic, we're discussing the B. Be- <coughs> Whoa! I just <laughs> lost my voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> you transferred it through to me through the airwaves. Um. <laughs> We're talking about the BYU honor code, and we sort of talked about this before, but not in super detail, and it was the most requested topic that we've gotten in a while. So, Like, by a landslide, you guys really want to hear about this, so. (laughs) Yeah, so since Sarah went to BYU, she can kind of give, like, a firsthand experience of what the BYU honor code is and kind of how you have to abide by it and what the rules are. I have some things I've researched just about 
a little bit of history and a little bit about how things have changed with the honor code. And we also have a few honor code stories um, that we can share. But Sarah, do you want to just start out by sort of explaining what the honor code even is? Yeah, I mean, I'm for sure like you'll be able to explain it better with your actual research because this is just me basing it off my experiences and horrible memory. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so the honor code is something that you sign before you attend BYU. Mm-hmm. And it's a list of rules that says that you will abide by each of these set rules. And if you don't, then you have to go, like, you basically have to, uh, either someone else calls you out on it by saying, like, oh, I saw this person and they were drinking a beer. So then you get reported. And Mm -hmm. you have to go to the honorary code court, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And you have to, like, basically appeal whatever crime you did or whatever code, like, law. (laughs) I like calling it a crime. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm, like, air coding your crime. And then the honor code will, like, the they'll decide what to do about it if you get, like, expelled or kicked out of the university um so there's like really extreme measures for it and obviously in the warmer church like sexual misconduct is the biggest one and that like has the the largest consequences i would say um with the honor code yeah and um each semester before you can start you have to take like you do an interview with the bishop and the stake president and it's called an ecclesiastical endorsement Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically like it's basically like a glorified temple recommend interview <laughs> where you just like say like it's the same questions that you are asked when you go in to have a temple recommend. But then they also just add on top of that, like, are you following the BYU honor code, um, which means no drinking, smoking, um, no um, opposite sex in your apartment past 10 p.m. on weekdays and on Friday and Saturday past 12 a.m. And also, um, like, obviously no coffee, no tea, any of that stuff is allowed in your home. And you have to live at BYU-approved housing. <laughs> so that means either on campus like in the dorms or at BYU Provo there are several apartment complexes close to the university that are BYU approved meaning that everyone there has to follow the honor code which is like this weird it's you know even though Utah says it's like separation of church and state there's like these weird things like this where apartment complexes which aren't owned by the church but I'm assuming they get some type of money for making it BYU approved or either it's just based on the fact that they know they'll get a lot of people who sign up because there's a lot of students at BYU yeah. and so they have to have housing, mm-hmm. um, but they are meant to enforce it as well. So you have like the managers and like, which is just another way for BYU students who, because you're also encouraged to report people if you see any misconduct or any breaching of the honor code. (laughs) And as Katie and I were chatting before about the episode, I was saying it's like similar to like World War II and like post World War II with like SS and yeah, no making sure, especially like in East Berlin, like spying on your neighbors and making sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to, and you're like encouraged to report them and like 
you know, everyone's like a little spy. And that's basically how it is with the honor code, too, that you're encouraged to, like, monitor and make sure everyone is following this this code, this honor code. And if not, you have to report it. And it's like so creepy. It's so creepy. So you're constantly just like paranoid that someone's going to report you or you're going to do something to violate or like I felt so like I never was like, I don't want to report someone. But then you get into this like mentality of, oh, but I'll be so righteous if I'm the one who's like condemning this person. They're doing something wrong. Yeah. And I've heard of instances where, you know, maybe someone witnesses someone breaking a rule and maybe it's like your roommate and you witness them. You let a boy stay over a half an hour past time and you don't tell. But then the other roommate tells and they know that you didn't tell. And so then you get called into the honor code office and they say, why didn't you tell us that you knew about this? misconduct I've heard of that happening a lot and then you get punished like suspended even expelled for not telling yeah (laughs) yeah totally it's it's totally true like so I I guess for experience wise I I think the first apartment I ever lived at at BYU is the was the worst uh for the honor code they were very very strict and that's the other thing is that other apartment complexes that are BYU approved are they have reputations so I can't remember we've talked about this one before but I'm drawing a blank but there was one that oh it was close to seven peaks oh yeah oh I can't remember but it was like known (laughs) and notorious for being like (laughs) the bad BYU approved um, (laughs) apartment complex where like people could do like did whatever they want and they constantly broke the code and like you know it was like where the not so righteous people lived (laughs) so I was like I'm not living there um yeah so ridiculous and then like the apartment complex I lived in when I first moved was like one of the ones known for being like super righteous but also like nerdy as hell and I didn't know that like and when I first moved in it was very obvious it was a lot older like I moved in when I was 18, and I would say predominantly everyone was, like, in their late 20s, 30s. Like, mm. that was the – and I, you know, I didn't really put the connection, to, like, together, but it was just a lot of people who were very stuck in their ways and, like, were the types that would tattletale. And I had <laughs> – oh, my God, I can't even tell you how many times I had roommates who – would like correct me like oh you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do this like I would wear short shorts because I was used to that in Georgia so I brought all that shit to Utah when I moved there and I remember like having a handful of roommates that were like you can't go outside wearing that and because I was like so defiant I was like fuck that obviously I didn't say that then I was just like uh I'm gonna wear it because I want to so I would like walk around in my little booty shorts and get all these looks that were like that's not allowed or not even looks like people would just tell me like you shouldn't wear that and but I was never reported thank god but I guess I never like I didn't have a boyfriend so I never was like tempted I'm doing air quotes tempted to break the honor code at BYU um (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, there was, like, this is how absurd it is. I bet people who are listening are, like, 
this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And you're right. Like, it is the most ridiculous thing. But there's so many ways that people would break this rule. Like, the same we've talked about before, where Mormons won't buy anything on a Sunday. But then they'll wait until midnight on Sunday and go to, like, a fucking drive-thru and get a slushie. (laughs) Which makes no sense. Like, and I would argue that every time. Like, really, do you think God's, like, counting down to the exact minute and is like, oh, it's midnight. Now you bitches can go get your slushie at 7-Eleven. No. (laughs) Like, but they do that. And so the same thing applied with this honor code because you aren't allowed to have Members of the opposite sex in your apartment, and as I talked about in a previous episode, BYU apartments are designed so that the living room and the kitchen, there's usually a door that separates that from the living court, like the bedroom quarters, so you can just shut that door because men aren't allowed to, like, men aren't allowed to go past that line in a women's apartment, and the same vice versa, a woman's not allowed to cross that little threshold, like, a line in a man's apartment so you could chill in the living area so like in the living room in the kitchen but that was it you can go past that and like you once it hit 10 p.m on a weekday you had to kick them out and that's where some roommates who were like sticklers would like come out and say like it's 10 o'clock they need to go and I have had that happen too with roommates saying like counting down the minute and like oh it's 10 o'clock like he needs to go and it's just like ugh, major eye roll and then right. the weekday or the weeknight so um so weekday uh, sorry weekend nights like friday and saturday i want to say it's 12 p.m it might be 1 a.m but i'm pretty sure it's 12 p.m i could be wrong um <laughs> where they have to also leave and it was so ridiculous so like if we had guy friends over i remember uh, Katie, you know, this person, my roommate and I at that time, we would just open the, our like front door and put a chair outside it in the summer and they just keep talking until like 2am. But because he technically wasn't inside our apartment, it was allowed. And okay. So he was technically outside of your apartment and you were technically inside. Yeah. Because yeah, you had, you, there's also curfew everyone listening, if you didn't know this, that you can't be outside of your apartment after a certain time. So you totally found that loophole. Bravo. Exactly. (laughs) So, (coughs) sorry. I remember that happening quite often where like, if the boy boy went to BYU, wouldn't he be breaking his, um, his curfew? Yeah, technically they were. Yep. Yeah, they they were willing willing to risk it. <laughs> they were crazy. And and another thing, so that was like my first two years at BYU. So from 18 to 20, and it was like extra level, like super, like everyone, you know, constantly judging, no breaking the rules, no scandal. I remember like once the biggest scandal there was, um, was that someone heard that a guy slept over at a girl's apartment on the couch and it was like <laughs> scandal. Oh, and yeah, and I remember like, oh my God. And then from there, like it's <laughs> so silly to think about like this was like such a badass thing to do. Um <laughs> it's so ridiculous, it's insane. So when I moved back to Utah and to BYU for my last two years. Um, at BYU I moved into 
like these townhouses, like another apartment complex that I can't for the life of me remember, but it's like behind Del Taco. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Anyways, I don't know if it's still there. Maybe listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. And I lived in one set of apartment complexes and literally just to the right, there was another building, but they were separately owned and in different wards. But one of my closest guy friends who Katie also knows lived in that apartment complex. Uh So I was there like every day and vice versa, or he would be at my apartment and we always hung out in my bedroom or like if I went there, he lived with all guys and I didn't even knock. I would just like bust the door like, Hey, what's up? And they were like in their garments or whatever. And that was the first time I had properly seen a young guy in garments. I had seen like old men in garments before, but like seeing like (laughs) young 22 year olds in garments and I was like, ah, <laughs> so weird. But that was like a huge no-no. Like I could have been oh, yeah. completely reported for that because I'm not supposed to A, even see the garments and B, like definitely not see them inappropriately like that. And I would just hang out in his bedroom all the time. But his roommate, didn't. I was such a rebel. I was like, I'm such a badass. Oh my God. I'm like such a cool Mormon. And the sad thing is, you guys, I remember thinking that. So, like, that's the sad part, is being, Here's like... the thing, though. Honestly, <laughs> back then, I knew you, and I wasn't actively a Mormon then, but I, I totally did think that you were a cool Mormon, and I'm not just saying that. Like, I was like, she's, like, maybe one of the only ones that I don't feel judged by. Yeah. Because you, you pretty much were a cool Mormon, but I think <laughs> you still were very, like cautious about certain things but <laughs> I was I think I think I was that Mormon who tried to sit on both sides of the fence where I was like I'm gonna be the cool Mormon who like doesn't judge anyone and I don't care and I'm gonna wear like immodest clothing and like as soon as someone tells me not to do something I was really defiant and would do it but then on the other side I was the other Mormon that was like this is a good missionary opportunity and I like, <laughs> right. Because I'm not judgy, they'll see that Mormons are great and they'll want to convert, you know? So I, I was, like, playing both sides and eventually one side just lost because there was moments where I would, like, quickly be super judgmental and, like, almost wish I could tattletale on someone. But I never did. I was never – like, that just didn't sit right with me. It was, like, uh, like I feel like it's it's the whole, like, who he who has not sinned, like, be the first to cast a stone yeah. type thing. As we're taught, and I was like, well, if I start turning in someone or tattletailing, like, I'm sure my ass is going to get busted real quick. (laughs) Well, right. I just think, like, you're just overall in general a good person, like, and a good moral person, like, no matter what, even if you'd never been exposed to Mormonism. And I feel like even as much as you were in it, you always had, like, your own moral compass. So when the church would say something about, you know, certain things that you're not supposed to do or say things about gay people I think you always internally were like questioning that but you're just like brush it off brush it off it's fine (laughs) but after so many times of doing that you're like okay I can't like say that I believe this anymore (laughs) exactly and I think especially at that time at BYU I just remember thinking that the honor code was so ridiculous because I knew a lot of the BYU athletes who didn't follow the honor code. And I was like, well, this is bullshit. Like, 
you know, like, they're, like, having sex all the time, and, like, you know, I heard of, like, all these stories, and especially because I had met this girl who was a convert. She was from Salt Lake City, but grew up not Mormon and converted, and she was telling me all these stories about how, like, so many men from BYU were going to Salt Lake to hook up with other men because they knew that, like, they would get caught at BYU, but if they mm-hmm. went to, like, uh, you know, Salt Lake City, it would be fine, and then they would come back and, like, you know, go to church or, like, have callings, and I met a few of those people, and that's when I first was, like, oh, yeah, and the honor code is just, like, bullshit. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Because I, like, met several of those people who were telling me that, that, like, the most wonderful men that were, like, yeah, we're gay, but we can't say anything. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah. We've had people write in to us, a few guys, uh, gay men, write in to us that actually did that. And they, you know, they were, like, so ashamed of themselves, but it's, like... You, they, you can't express your sexuality oh. at all at BYU unless you're married and, uh, you know, in a heterosexual marriage. That's the only way you can. Yeah. And you're at college. For- exactly. Like, and you're just not allowed. And I remember when they were telling me that story and everyone else was like grossed out by like, oh, my God, I can't oh. believe those guys did that. And I just remember feeling really sad. Like, that's sad that they can't be themselves because. Mm-hmm. You know, they're scared that they're going to get kicked out of university or that their parents were disown them or have to go through all this shit. And I was like, that's a really sad situation to be in. And and like also, I mean, this whole idea of what you just said of not being able to talk about your sex life when you're at university. Like there's so many emotions and hormones that are like going through your head. And most people are out there, like, experimenting, and, like, the college days are their days to do that, you know? And at BYU, you're not allowed to even think about it, much less do it. And if you write you out and you get kicked out of university and it's blah, blah, blah. And, you guys, this is a true confession on my part, which is kind of embarrassing that I'm admitting this. But one of those examples, I remember at this girl, I think it was, like, 19, 20 so I was still at that first apartment complex and very naive and very like caught up with all of these people who were like ultra self-righteous. Mm-hmm. And but there was this one girl who was like Mormon, but she was like, I'm doing air quotes, cool Mormon, like, you know, talked about mm-hmm. sex and stuff like that. And it wasn't an issue. And it always like made me more curious. But I remember she said once that like, oh, so embarrassing. She was talking about some guy that was really cute and how, like, just looking at him made her super wet. And I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) I shit you not. I had no idea. And I was, like, so confused and was like, wait, what? Well, how could you when you don't, like, we don't talk about sex when we're Mormons. Most Mormons don't anyway. Yeah. And to this day, I can remember that whole scenario, like what we were wearing, what we're talking about so explicitly because of how I felt that I I didn't know what it was. And once she explained it to me, I felt disgusted. I felt like, oh, my God, I feel very uncomfortable. She shouldn't be discussing this. And like and then I remembered like, okay, like that's what's associated with like masturbation and sex and stuff like that. And those are all these like sins that I had like covered up and was ashamed of and stuff like that so I instantly just felt all these feelings of shame and guilt and 
like she knew it because I was very uncomfortable about it all and like paranoid and was like don't ever talk about that again type thing Uh. so it made me like this self-righteous Mormon that day of being like that's inappropriate to talk about but it was more to cover up my own like feeling of shame and guilt that is so spot on like Mm -hmm. I honestly I still to this day sometimes get those feelings and luckily I can catch them and I realized the conditioning that I went through religiously you know as to why I feel that way but it doesn't really it hasn't really even gone away that much with me like talking about sex is not as easy as I feel like it should be because it was so forbidden and so taboo like all of my life and because of things like what you're taught in church and then it's doubled down upon if you go to BYU or any type of BYU related institution like you don't even talk about it because it's considered quote-unquote inappropriate it's like it might cause you to think too much about sex which is a sin you know it might cause you to get aroused which is a sin it might cause you to want to masturbate which is a sin so you're just like you feel so shameful and dirty for even just thinking about a natural thing like oh I'm attracted to that person my body's having a physical response and you just had to not talk about it nope yeah (laughs) and like anything with the masturbation is like um you know definitely not talked about it's a sin it's embarrassing it's shameful so like I know I've talked about this in previous episodes like when we had the one on masturbation but like, for me, that was such a, like, such a big moment for me to even say that I masturbated. And that was because in Berlin, the people I was around, like, it was just so common to talk about it. It wasn't, like, a shameful <laughs> thing. In fact, most of my girlfriends were, like, constantly talking about their new vibrators and were like, oh, my God, I just like it. And I remember being just being, like, so uncomfortable. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't do that. What? Ew. No, that's gross. That's, like, what you shouldn't do that. You know? <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Um, that reminds me, a little funny side story. Um, so I, I, at a place I used to work in Salt Lake before I moved here, um, I worked with a gal who, she was a couple years younger than me, and we became pretty good friends. And she was from Rexburg, Idaho, and she was Mormon, but she was like one of those kind of quote-unquote cool Mormons. Like she seemed like, you know, cool about stuff and not weird, but she never talked about sex or anything. But one time there was a client that came in to where we were working and this lady was hilarious and she was telling us about this new vibrator she got and <laughs> my coworker got like beat red and she was she was like even a cooler she was so much more laid back than even me normally but she was a mormon but when the the discussion of a vibrator came up she like shut down she didn't talk she got beat red and I think she even found a reason to leave the room when the lady was like oh girl you need to get it you need to try it she's like I know you're Mormon but you need loving too and my coworker was like nope and she couldn't handle that discussion and I remember like that reminds me of what you were just saying like when you yeah you can't you can't talk about those things even no matter how cool and laid back you are it's like Oh, I'm scared. I'm not supposed to do that thing. It's a sin. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like you're embarrassed by it. And like, and the thing is, I remember like, it's again, we've talked about this before, but it wasn't as an embarrassing thing for men. Like men could just talk about jacking off and it was just like expected or 
you know, that men weren't, like, Mormon guys weren't allowed to, but, like, they were the ones who were tempted to do it and not women. And I was always so ashamed. I was like, but I always do it. Is there something wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, which is, this is kind of a bit off topic, but another interesting um, topic maybe we could do another mm-hmm. day. But um, so my boyfriend just turned in his thesis and his topic was talking was about eugenics. And he has a whole section in there on how in the States in the early 1900s, like lunacy and, excessive masturbation all that for women was linked to like them being crazy and having to be sterilized or you know lobotomized because if they were hypersexual or they masturbated excessively which really was just like maybe they masturbated like a normal amount that must be crazy or attributed to their hormonal behaviors or their I'm doing air quotes craziness They're hysterical. Yeah, they're hysterical, which is just, like, it's so fascinating but sad to read. But the fact that that, like, was a thing, that was a law in the States. And, like, I'm sure the church would have backed that in all ways. And, like, it's just another parallel I made with, like, the church and how it is this, like, sign of, like, if a woman masturbates, it's, like, she's overly sexual and, like... (laughs) you know, women aren't meant to be sexual. They're just meant to have children and be mothers and wives. And like the guys are the ones who are the only one tempted by it. Right. Yeah. No, completely. I agree. Oh, speaking of that, should we read some of these uh, fun stories? Or you have a lot of facts, throw them in there. (laughs) Okay. So I'll just read just to make sure we cover our basis, I'll just read this little thing that says exactly what the C, the, the um, honor code is. <clears throat> so the CES honor code governs not only academic behavior, but also everyday conduct on or off campus, as well as dress and grooming standards of students with the aim of providing an atmosphere consistent with LDS principles. The honor code requires abstinence from illicit drugs, alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea. But drink all the Diet Coke you want. Um, <laughs> and Red Bull and all the other shit. And eat as much candy as you like. But bless um, it first. Yeah, bless it. Gotta Thank God for that candy. <laughs> um, you must encourage others in their commitment to keep the honor code, a.k.a. tattletale. Um, live a chaste and virtuous life, which includes no involvement with porn pornographic or indecent material i'm assuming assuming that means like no r-rated movies no inappropriate sexual activity no homosexual behavior obedience to the law maintaining an ecclesiastical endorsement from a leader of the local congregation respect for others clean language no profanity following the residential living standards and abiding by visiting hours for members of the opposite sex dress and grooming standards abiding by the guidelines for dress, grooming, and housing, skirts must reach to the knee, and shirts may not be sleeveless. Form-fitting, strapless, and revealing clothing for women is not appropriate. Male students may not wear beards or goatees, and their hair length must be above the ears, and the sideburns must not extend below the earlobe. Um, specific additional restrictions on appearance have been mentioned, including those deemed as extreme fashion, which includes... A ban on shaved heads for women, blue hair, long nails or eyeshadow for men, and piercings besides any piercings besides a single pair for women. What? So, yeah. 
I hadn't oh. heard that last part before. Like, ew. All of it is so ew, and it's so gendered, too. Like, oh, yeah. specifically saying that men can't wear eyeshadow. Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, if a man wants to wear sparkly eyeshadow, let him. Like, get yeah, out of here. Yeah, and, like, specifically that. that women can't shave their heads or have blue hair. Excuse oh, me. I had blue hair for a few years, and it was really fun. I know, and you rocked it. You guys, Katie, oh. the fun like the best hairstyles ever oh, thank it was you. like so exciting to see what she would do next I was like oh my god so cool fun adventurous time um <laughs> so I did want to just talk a little bit before we like move on to specific stories I wanted to move uh, talk about like the LGBTQ history with the honor code because it's intense and that's kind of been like a hot topic recently in the news. So like maybe just address that along with the history. So, so I'm just going to kind of go through this history I have pulled up here, but, um, in, so in 1962 at BYU, uh, a ban, like a literal ban on homosexual students was enacted. So Spencer W. Kimball, one of our faves. Oh, he's the best. Kimball. He instated a policy that said, no one will be admitted as a student whom we have convincing evidence is a homosexual. So literally they just couldn't um, go there. And the policy was reiterated in... Um, Ernest L. Wilkinson's address to BYU in 1965 when he said, we do not intend to admit to this campus any homosexuals. If you have this tendency, may I suggest you leave this university immediately. We do not want others on this campus on this campus to be contaminated by your presence. Oh, to be contaminated by your presence. Wow. Yeah. This is an apostle of God. Not that long ago. It was 1965. Like that wasn't that long ago. Um, the 1967 version of the honor code stated that homosexuality will not be tolerated along with not approving any form of birth control. I thought that was interesting. So if they find out something personal about you and you're taking birth control, you are kicked out of BYU. Cool. Um, so then, um, in April, 1973, Um, In a board of trustees meeting, it was decided that BYU would allow students who had repented of homosexual acts (laughs) and had forsaken them for a lengthy period of time would be allowed to attend. Um, But then, uh, so, but also while that was enacted, um, from 1971 to 1981, all all students who were... They keep saying homosexual. I just feel like I'm such an old person using that word, but they refer to it. I know. Every time I say that word, I always cringe, and it slips out, and I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm reading from, like, their history. Yeah, yeah. If they were reported to the honor code about, like, quote-unquote homosexual behavior or feelings or tendencies, they were either expelled or for less serious offenses, whatever the fuck that means, they were required to undergo conversion therapy in order to remain at the university. So this included therapies like electroshock therapy and vomiting aversion therapies. Oh my God. 
really gross. You can look more into it if you want, but it's where, you know, I've heard they would show you like gay images or gay porn and then feed you something that forces you to throw up. So, or shock your genitals. So yikes. Um, so anyways, this happened for a long time. Um, I don't even know. It I, it was well into the, um, I think even the 80s, this was still happening. Maybe even the 90s, I don't know. Um, so in the late 1990s, uh, let's see, uh, a reference to homosexual conduct was added officially to the honor code. Um, and it said that you couldn't even, like, come out. Uh, like, coming out shouldn't be celebrated and also, like being allies or advocating for it was also like reason you could get reported. Um, and then that's kind of ever since then, like, so it says in 2007, um, 2007 was when it said that you could technically be gay as long as you don't act on it. Yeah. <laughs> so that 2007, like that is insane. Um, and um and then it was we allow you to be yourself but you just can't act upon you can't actually act like yourself so (laughs) yeah um and it wasn't until 2011 when BYU removed the part about um being an ally and an advocate it wasn't until 2011 that you could still get reported for that um, what? and then just recently, just this month, February, or last month, February, 2020, um, the, they removed two paragraphs from the honor code prohibiting sexual behavior, which included all forms of sexual intimacy that give expression to homosexual feelings. So like now technically under the honor code, you could like hug a per, uh, someone of your same sex, like a woman could hug a woman, but and so people have like once they removed that section of the code, people were like kissing in front of the honor code office and it was like really cute. But at, as soon as that happened and everyone was celebrating like, oh, this is so progressive. They allow gay people at BYU now. BYU issued a statement that said like, um, just so you know, that it hasn't changed. It can still be on a case-to-case basis, whether or not activity is appropriate, and they still, you know, say homosexual activity and behavior is not appropriate, but they just removed the part about, like, all forms of physical intimacy. So, like, you could technically, like, kiss a girl on the cheek and possibly not get reported to the honor code. Wait, that's so vague and confusing. So. Yeah. And, like, people freaking out and saying they're so happy about it. It's, like, I guess it's a small step, but also it's not, really. Because no. you can't you can't marry that person. Even if you go to BYU and you start dating someone and you're in a same, um, quote-unquote, same-sex relationship, you yeah. even if you're holding – someone's going to be offended by you holding their hand. And depending on who you get reported to at the honor code office – they could expel you. You don't know. Like it's not a hard and fast rules in the on on in the honor code, right? No, like, exactly. 
like you said, it's just super duper vague. And then also, even if you're dating them and you don't even be physically intimate, you can't marry them if you're a Mormon. Like, that's totally oh. not allowed. So, <laughs> uh, so it's like, what's, what's the point? Like, are they just expecting um, the LGBTQ community to only kiss on the cheek and hold hands for the rest of their lives and never get married? Like, yeah, and I think they just, they just want to look good. Like, it's a PR thing of like, look how open and accepting we are. Like, we removed the small clause from our honor code, but it's like, you're not progressive at all. No. <laughs> you still don't let men have beards. For that is about. And, like, and you guys also, like, for listeners who didn't grow up, again, and even for those who did grow up Mormon, BYU Provo has a totally different honor code than BYU-Idaho and BYU-Hawaii. So BYU-Idaho is even more intense. Like, I don't know if it's been changed or not, but before you weren't even allowed to wear flip-flops. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and for a long time at regular BYU-Provo, you weren't allowed to wear jeans, which was crazy. You can't wear leggings. Yeah, you can't wear leggings. That was a big deal. I also got told off once for wearing leggings and was told it was too revealing. You have too nice of a bum. I, I know. It. <laughs> it was so silly. I remember I got so feisty about it. I was just like, really? Like, oh, my God. I just can't. Like, I and I was coming, either I was playing soccer or I was coming from the gym. I don't remember, but I had a reason, even though I don't need a reason to fucking wear leggings. But, like, <laughs> I was doing something. Like, I was working out somehow. And, yeah. Mm. Oh, ridiculous. So ridiculous. So anyways, that's a short um, recap of the treatment of LGBT people at BYU. And it's not much better now than it was. But I mean, at least they're not doing conversion therapy anymore. But you're still not treated equally. And no. it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be easy to be gay at BYU. Oh, so. hell no. Like, yeah. oh, um, God. I mean, yeah. I feel like this is going to be like a follow-up episode too because we should still, I mean, if you guys don't follow BYU Honor Code stories on Instagram, definitely, even though I will say, like, I I appreciate the forum and I think it's really great and there's a lot of stories that are like appalling, but they're a bit too lax with the, the church. Like, I don't know, some of them it's like they don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, Katie? Like, it's yeah. not like they call out the church enough of, like, this is not okay. Like, oh, this yeah. Is not- it's, and, that is yeah. a good point because I really <laughs> do that account. And I think it's good to draw attention to these things that have happened at the Honor Code office, which we'll get into. But I think I don't know for sure, but it seems like whoever runs that account is um is an active LDS person. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who do write in they are active LDS folks and um, they're very sympathetic to the church. And so it's one of those things where they blame the honor code and they don't actually look a bit further as to why the honor code is the way that it is. And it's because of the church and the fundamentals of the church. They don't criticize the church near enough as to Mm. where these ideas came from. It's why the Honor code is the way that it is. Um, so, yeah, that does kind of bother me, too. But it's like, well, at least they're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, at least they're talking about it and they show 
so they they post stories from all over like so there's some that are like uh really explicit like as in you assume that these this person has left the church and then there are other ones that are like you know they're still very active in the church and they just want their story to be heard but they like you know don't want to offend their professors or BYU right. because they're really you know quite active but some of these stories I read and I only to be honest I only got to around like 10 or 11 and it was just it made me sad it gave me the sads oh yeah it's they're all so sad like um I screenshotted some I don't know do you should I read some or will yeah. I give you sads <laughs> I don't want to give no you the no sad. I think I think we should read like at least three um, this episode because I know we're about over time now, but um, we could do like three and then this will be a good opportunity for listeners. Like if you have personal stories with the BYU Honor Code to send it in and we could do a follow-up episode just telling more of the stories. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one says, my, my boyfriend and I messed up. We were both working with our bishops to repent and move on. See, even just starting it like that, like, we messed up. I know. It's like expressing your love and affection towards each other by doing something consensual and sexual is considered a mess up, considered oh. something to be ashamed of. Anyway, we were working with our bishops to repent and move on. Also gross, telling an old man what you do sexually. We were only a couple weeks away from taking the sacrament again. Uh, so much. This is just so loaded, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, that, yeah, they couldn't take the sacrament. So we were only a couple weeks away from taking the sacrament again when my bishop told me that I needed to schedule an appointment with the honor code office and that it would only be a small slap on the wrist. So I self-reported. This led to an older lady interrogating and probing me for more and more sexual details. I didn't feel comfortable sharing such private information with a complete stranger, which she shouldn't have felt comfortable with telling her bishop. But anyway, yeah, I didn't understand why this random quote unquote counselor needed to be involved in my repentance process. The counselor told me, in order to stand completely pure in front of your Savior one day, you need to tell me everything you did. Ew. I bawled. I felt humiliated and shamed. I then had to write every sexual encounter I had ever had on their computer for their records. (gasps) To make matters worse, I ended up turning in my boyfriend to the honor code office, even though I was only there to self-report. I ended up getting suspended. Since he was endowed which means he'd been through the temple. My boyfriend got expelled, lost his his job at the MTC, and lost his BYU housing in a matter of three days. (gasps) As a result, my boyfriend's depression escalated dramatically. We love BYU and we love the church, but the way the honor code office conducts themselves with students has to change. The honor code office answers to no one and students are in dire need for there to be some sort of checks and balances. The honor code office should not be a part of our repentance process and should not use our religious beliefs to squeeze confessions out of students. It's crazy how she can so clearly see how unethical the honor code office is, yet like that doesn't transfer over to the bishop's office. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wow, it's sad that, like, she sees it blatantly. Like, she knows yeah. that it's fucked up, but, like, she still is like, oh, we love the church and we love BYU. Yeah, but and that's just so sad. Like, that instance just shows that 
because she went into self-report, they were like probing her about who she had had sex with. So then she ends up, um, you know, she didn't want to tell on her boyfriend, but she did. And then he gets not only expelled from university, loses his job and his home. Like That's fucking mental. And imagine you have to like tell your family, oh, like, hey, yeah. I just got kicked out of university. I don't have a job and I no longer have a house. And then you have to, like, tell your family, like, okay, well, the reason is because I had sex with the person I love, and I had to, you know, I confessed it, and now Uh, I'm getting kicked out. Like. It's so messed up. Yep. And speaking of, like, the sexual, quote-unquote, misconduct, this reminds me of, it's, it's really sad, but I do want to bring it up to cover in this episode, is that, um. People who are raped at BYU, it's a really bad, bad epidemic that's happening and that has been happening is that they don't report it because there have been so many women, mostly women, who have been raped at BYU. And when they report to the honor code office, nothing happens legally, but they get expelled for having, quote unquote, like sexual relations, even though they didn't. Like, it makes me sick to even have to say this, but it's a huge problem there. It's a huge problem. Like, I was just talking about this weekend with, um, yeah, like, my boyfriend's family and stuff, like, saying that that's an issue, that these women are afraid to report because it's not like they're they're supported in any way. Most cases show that they just get kicked out. Like, even though they're reporting sexual assault or rape or molestation any of that like they are the ones who are blamed which right. just is a, the, the exact representation of the church because yeah it always happens that way the women is blamed like the woman is blamed for the men not mm-hmm. being able to resist temptation or whatever the fuck and it's our fault instead of using compassion and getting them help and then helping with pursuing legal ramifications and getting real counseling what they do is they'll ask her what were you wearing yep or how late was it who was he in your room or was it past a certain time or were you drinking alcohol and all of those things like if she was doing any of those things or maybe even not any of them she's still blamed for breaking the honor code in those ways when she was I just, she was the victim, you know, and it's, it, it's crazy to me. It makes me, it makes my blood boil, honestly. Yeah, mine too. And especially like how corrupt the whole system is, first of all, but also like, you know, women when they've reported rape or assault or, you know, any sexual, I'm doing air quote, misconduct. And if it's with a BYU athlete who's bringing in money, then those cases suddenly disappear. As well. Yeah. Well, there have been a few that have been, this is sort of another kind of crazy side note, because a lot of them, yeah, just go away or it doesn't matter because the athletes are making them money. But there was a while there where it was like, if you were a white athlete, you were way more likely to get a pass. And like the black athletes were all oh, getting yeah, for reported, sure. which was, cra- it just was like, what? Like, racism sexism all of the things all (laughs) yeah (laughs) um okay so I'll read another one from the honor code stories 
this one's not, I don't think this one's too long. Let me see. Okay. Um, it says, I crossed the line with a girl I was dating and wanted to make it right. I went to my bishop knowing the potential consequences. His attitude was, these things happen. Let's talk about it. Talk about Christ and make sure it doesn't happen again. But her bishop asked her to self-report to the honor code. And while I was across the country on vacation, I got a phone call explaining that I needed to meet with the honor code and they, the honor code office. They refused to tell me why. I soon got back to Provo only for the honor code office to tell me that I had driven across the country for nothing and that I wouldn't be able to attend school anymore. The whole experience was horrible and the polar opposite of my experience working with the bishop. Mm -hmm. Multiple counselors were asking accusing questions and then them asking if I wanted to report anyone else to the honor code office. They also wanted to know why my roommates weren't the ones to report me as they were also BYU students and had known that she had stayed over. I had to spend 10 minutes explaining to them that my, that my roommates had no idea what was going on and that they were innocent. Oh my God. Multiple times the Dean told me that he had received quote unquote revelation for my case and that I needed to be removed from BYU, which was disturbing to me because the only person actually entitled to receive revelation for me is my bishop. And he said that I was fine and he felt like the repentance process was sufficient. There was never any spirit of the Holy Ghost in that room. No love, no interest in my well-being. And I'm struggling to separate this experience from the church as a whole. It's now been two years since I messed up and I'm still having to meet with their office and review Ooh. the event over and over. And I had to commit to them that I would self-report any mistakes I make until I graduate. Whoa. <laughs> I just... This stuff blows me away, how you can be experiencing that and, like, still feel good about the church. There's no way in hell. Like, I mean, he knows it, too. He even says <laughs> that he knows that no one can receive revelation for him other than his bishop. But he's still, like, trying to justify it, which I get it. I mean, when you've known the church to be your center of life your entire life and at BYU, it's hard to to walk away. Katie and I both know that wholeheartedly. Yeah. So I could see why he's justifying it a bit, but it's just crazy. Like, and the fact that he has to like report to them for the rest, like for two years, every single time he quote unquote messes up or does anything like that. You guys, I just can't, I don't even have words for that. <laughs> I don't I have words for it. And it's also, I just thought of something, like, we were kind of touched on masturbation, but it's like, we all know that we're all human, and almost every person, unless you just literally don't have a sex drive or whatever, almost every person does it. And we're, you know, we're not stupid, like, we know that people masturbate, but it's like, I wonder, you, they're not reporting each other for masturbating or for taking too long of showers or whatever. It's like, where do you cross the line of what you're telling on people for? Also, that was crazy in there how he said, like, they were harassing him about why didn't your roommates report? <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> blows my mind. I, BYU is just the worst. I hate it. I hate it. Oh my God. <sighs> this is insane. I just can't. <laughs> um, that's all of the. I only screenshotted those two stories. No, that's perfect. I mean, I think we can definitely do a follow up with like personal 
stories from our listeners as well as just some more of those because it's insane you guys it just it makes my heart really sad for the people who are in those situations like I was fortunate enough to never have to go through that at BYU um but obviously just doing the ecclesiastical endorsement each semester was traumatizing enough so I can't even imagine going through that experience on top of it and I I'm very sorry for any of those people who listen to our podcast and you're listening to this episode on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. We apologize for the shit that you had to go through. (laughs) And I, I feel really bad for the LGBTQ community that is going to BYU and they probably mean really well, you know, they want to see change and they were probably really excited about this latest change that said they, it removed the part about, touching someone else of the same same right but it also makes me feel really sad because I feel like it's false hope and it's like what the church has been doing like you said they're brilliant at marketing and it makes them seem so much better than what they really are because they really don't accept LGBT people as oh the equal so yeah that's just my thoughts guys Give us your thoughts, too. Yeah. Write in to us. And we will get back to those people who did write us the past few weeks. Sorry, it's just, it's been crazy. Lots of visitors and sickness and changes and stuff. But we love the emails that we've received. They were very touching. And, um, yeah, just incredible. So, please, like, we, we will get back to you. We will respond as fast as we can but keep sharing your stories because they're amazing and yeah for the longer ones like Katie does an amazing job with the mini episodes so um yeah I feel like we say this this almost every time when we're like sorry we haven't responded but yeah just know that we read them and we love them and sometimes it's just hard to get back to every single one but we appreciate all of you and we appreciate your support and following us on social media and we especially appreciate our patrons. Yes, thank you. Helps us do cool things. Keep doing the podcast, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess with that said, um, in the name of Celestial Jesus, amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> Bye. Bye.